Are you getting the most out of Sage 200? Do you want a regular feed bursting with top tips, hints, and advice for you to streamline Sage 200? Then you've come to the right place. The Sage 200 Buzz Podcast, making the most out of everything Sage 200. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Sage 200 Buzz Podcast. This week on the podcast, we're going to go through credit control KPIs and we're going to have a chat about Power BI and how you can use that to track uh, said KPIs. With me, as usual, is my uh, co-host and partner in crime, Mr. Mark Armstrong. Good morning. Okay, so let's have a look and have a chat about uh, credit control KPIs. So obviously, there's a lot of KPIs out there that people are tracking, and we're just going to have a quick chat and a quick discussion around um, some of the do's and don'ts and things to consider when you're putting together KPIs for your team. Mm -hmm. Okay, so... All right then. So just talk to us about some of the common KPIs then, Mark, that actually get tracked. Okay, so one that always pops into my head is the average age of debt. Yes. Um, so it's a really simple one to put together. Uh, basically calculates how long it actually takes for you to receive from your customers. Uh, and it's a great indicator, to be honest, in terms of cash flow as well, because it allows, allows you to see how long it's actually taken you to recover that debt from customers. It's great making the sale. It's great sending out the invoice and then putting it on the system saying, you owe me £100. <laughs> if that £100 doesn't come in for six months or for three weeks on average or whatever it is, then you've got an issue. You could, in the long run, have an issue with cash flow because you're constantly selling all these products and stock items and services and all the rest of it. But if it's if you've got a you know a, an average age of debt of you know two three weeks, it's taking you a very long time to actually recover that debt to actually get the cash into the company. Well, funny you should say that because I know quite a few people that would actually say that two to three weeks is nice. They, it probably like. is. It probably is. It's probably <laughs> my, my my actual scale there's too short. Usually things up to like a month is probably fine. Most people you're not going to be chasing debt that's like a month old. If it's going to get to a point where it's three four months, yeah, then you're going to need to have a chat. You know, have a look in and and see what's going on there. And the trick is to to understand the average age. So it's about making clear whether that average age starts from the date it's due mm-hmm. or from the date of the invoice, which is the interesting bit. So, so, you know, in terms of making sure that you're consistent with how you're recording and measuring these KPIs. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> the other thing I think is really important when you're working with average age of debt is to actually calculate the minimum maximum. Now, this might be my, uh, my maths geekiness coming through, um, obviously, for those of you that don't know, I obviously did a degree in it and it pops out occasionally when I'm feeling particularly thoughtful. Um, but one of the things you've also got to measure is actually where the, you know, whether you've got anything skewing your results. So if you've got one particularly old yeah, debt yeah. that's um, an outlier, as it were, so massively different from the rest, that can dramatically skew your percentage, your sort of average. So it's it's really good practice to not only have the average, but to have the the minimum and the maximum as well as a you know as a um, as a record. Would you admit any anomalies? There are theoretically, you should. Um, if you're looking, if you're looking for a true average in terms of, of it. But I have to say that again, it's about, it's, it's that balance between spending so much time analyzing it mm-hmm. and, um, so much time sort of processing the data. So what I would say is we'll talk about this later when we go on to Power BI that you can get these like bubble charts where you can have like the average age, but then you can have bubbles for the minimax. 
And those are a really good indicator. So when you're actually doing your averages and, you know, you're analyzing those stats, it's good to be able to have a visual way of seeing whether there are outliers because a max isn't technically necessarily an outlier. If you think about it, it could be um, that you've got three or four that are close to that max. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that you should be analyzing, not obviously every week, every month, but over a, I would have thought over a year, you should be analyzing the, you know, the difference between your mins and max. Where does it sit? And, you know, it, cause the interesting thing is you could actually come up with actually certain industries are sitting quite high up there. Or is there a common denominator to those ones where you've got the maximum? Yeah. So that's the bit that I would be really interested in. Yeah, yeah. Is those maximum ones or those ones that are sitting outlying, you know, the higher ones, are they due to a particular salesman? Are they due to a particular account manager yeah. or a credit controller? You know, what is the common denominator between those max? you know, those ones that are sitting out there. Yeah, I think that's really important throughout ratios, to be honest, because ratios generally give you like an overview of, of the business as a whole. Yes. What's really important is that you're able to actually categorize those in a sense by, as you say, a salesperson, uh, the account manager, whoever it is that's actually responsible for it by region perhaps as well. It's really important that you don't just take that top level number and just think that's how good we are. It's also about looking individually as well or, you know, lower down in the business and more specifically what's making that number too big. Yeah, see, one of my, one of my um, things that I, I, I think is really important is not to focus on the total values, mm. to look at ratios. Because don't get me wrong, it's important to know how much debt is outstanding. But from my perspective, for a KPI should be the ratio. Yeah, yeah. It shouldn't be the amount outstanding no. because that amount outstanding will go up and down and up and down. Um, but actually what I'm more interested in is what is the ratio from the amount we've collected versus the debt. Yeah. So f- my personal opinion is that when you're doing KPIs, so you're measuring people's success and your success as a business, it should be on your ratios, yeah, yeah. not um, on your, you know, particularly with credit control. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. It's, not, know, it's not the figure. It's, it's, it's that number at the end. Isn't yeah, it? it's because the thing is, is that you can have the, like I said, you can have an, an, an one invoice for, you know, so if your average sort of value of your invoice is a grand and you get one invoice for 10 grand and that's outstanding, that's going to completely skew yeah. all of your results. So for me, when you're measuring credit control, you need to get in the habit of measuring ratios and rewarding people based on ratios yeah. rather than actual value. Yeah. Um, because, you know, your value is very much dependent on your sales. Yeah, definitely. Um, and so that for me is the important bit. And, you know, ratios still make um, people focus on achieving goals. But what they do is they, they look at the business as a whole rather than individual sort of yeah. values. So so what other sort of KPIs do we get measured in the out in the in the big wide world? <laughs> well, the one I was going to ask you about actually is one that I hadn't seen before, which is the um, disputed invoice ratio. Ah, okay. So this is one of the interesting ones because obviously, you know, in 200, we have the ability to do query codes. Mm-hmm. Um, so what it's measuring is basically how how well you're resolving disputes. So if a customer phones up and says, I never received those goods and you put that invoice on dispute, mm-hmm. if you've got a real high dispute rate, but mm-hmm. you're not actually clearing down those disputes, yeah, yeah. then that's a bad sign for credit control purposes. Yeah, so what you should be monitoring, and this is one of the things I normally suggest, is your dispute um, disputed invoice value versus your total age debt mm-hmm. and monitoring how many... because. 
with credit controllers, it's really easy for them to go, oh, that's disputed, all oh, that's disputed. Actually, as a business and as a credit control team, you need to be managing the resolving of those disputes nice and quickly. Yeah. So at any one time, you should only have a, certain, a small percentage of your your invoices actually disputed. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, because a lot of the time you do just see people that just sort of put that little query code in there and they go, that's yeah. to one side. What happens then? You know, is you need to then be able to either one, get rid of the invoice, or two, chase it up and turn it from a disputed invoice into one that is actually going to be a receivable. Exactly. So it's it's all about analysing the what is happening with your team and encouraging good behaviours. That's what KPIs are designed to do. Yeah, yeah. So actually, yes, they should be recording when there's a dispute, but actually what needs to be monitored and managed is the resolving of that dispute because until that dispute's resolved, you're never going to get the cash. Yeah, exactly. So um, you want to keep your dispute invoices low so that actually your team... So they should be recording it because otherwise it's not going to get dealt with, but what they should be doing is managing and communicating communicating that dispute nice and fast so that actually your ratios should be quite low yeah 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 makes sense so yeah so that's and that's one that a lot of people forget actually yeah it's one that i yeah now now sort of speaking about it it makes sense because so often we just see people you know dispute an invoice and that's sort of it i don't really and quite rare that you see the actual resolve for it obviously they are resolved but it's almost like how when how long you know why exactly. would they yeah there's there's so many things you can actually read into from there because it, again it's going back to that point of you've got this great sales number but you know of all those sales numbers how many of those you know are disputed um how long is it taking you to receive that debt in from other people so yeah and one of the other things as well is it's you know it's about you should theoretically if you know if dispute invoice is a high percentage of your debt you should actually be managing the dispute reasons yeah yeah because if if it's to do with pricing it means either your sales guys haven't told your finance team the correct pricing or you know something's gone wrong along the process anyway yeah um it could be the not delivered it um you know so how are you managing that and the quicker you resolve disputes the more likely you are to have money in so some really interesting stats i was reading the other day around um basically you know there's a certain threshold between which and this is why average age of debt is really important there's a certain point at which the age the debt becomes harder to chase because it's so overdue yeah if you get it nice and quickly and your team are onto it then actually it's a lot easier to collect if you leave it for two or three months it becomes harder and harder and harder to actually collect that because nobody can remember the debt in the first place yeah yeah so yeah, so there's a cut. So as I said, you know, so far we've sort of come up average age of debt, minimax, mm-hmm. uh, collect, um, disputed invoice ratio um, as well. So that is normally the amount disputed, obviously divided by the total amount um, as a percentage. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So um, some other common ones. So we've mentioned sort of. A common one is total outstanding and total collected. But really, like I said, you should be ma- managing it that through a ratio. Yeah, yeah. So I would call that the collection ratio. So mm-hmm. basically, the the amount, it's almost the opposite of the amount outstanding. Yeah. Um, but remembering that your your total amount of debt should be your disputed. Yeah. Plus your... Um, your collected and the, the difference is what's outstanding. Yeah, yeah. Yeah? So... Um, so collection ratio is also an interesting one. So of the outstanding debt, what percentage have you collected? Um, so, yeah. So what other KPIs do you think um, people should be looking at measuring? 
Well, why not just say it actually on the on the board that we've got? If anyone doesn't know, we we have like a a whiteboard that we have sort of our, our sort of plan of action through a podcast, uh, and one that Hannah's actually put on there is called number of calls. So. What, what ratio is that actually referring so to? So it's not a ratio. So this is one of the things. So there's quite a few theories around measuring performance. And there's a certain amount. So obviously the overall value should be your ratios. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that a lot of people don't measure is the number of calls that people are making. Because actions tend to have an impact on obviously values. So if you measure sort of the input, Mm -hmm. the theory is, is that the output will then follow on. Right. So, but for me, it's more, that should be done on an individual level. Yeah. Not on a sort of, I wouldn't be that bothered about the team as a whole. What I'd be looking at is the individuals and how well, what their call to collection ratio is. Right. So, what I mean by that is I'd be so if somebody's doing huge amounts of calls, but they're not actually getting the value, so the value, the promised, so what the, what we call their um, their promise ratio, mm-hmm. so the amount that they've been promised versus the total amount that they're collecting. So if that's low, but they're making huge amounts of calls, mm-hmm. then I'd be actually saying, well, hang on a second. There's, there's an issue there with the way that they're actually managing their call. Yeah. So I wouldn't say that's necessarily a KPI, and which is a bit misleading, but that's a key statistic you should be using to measure performance individually. Yeah. yeah. Um, and more, more than analyzing it about troubleshooting performance, perhaps. Yeah. So when you have a look at um, an individual and you can see them, they're not making a lot of calls, mm-hmm. but their, their percentage ratio is quite high. I'd be saying, well, what are they doing well? Because yeah. and could can I get them to make a few more calls? Yeah, <laughs> to yeah, actually true. bring in that other bit. So it's just used to sort of guide, um, you know, performance. So because activity tends to drive results, and there's a lot of theories around measuring activity rather than results as well, mm-hmm. which is also an interesting concept. So yeah, so um, I would. So some other key stats that a lot of people measure is number of calls and number of payments. However, from from a sort of a general perspective, I say just keep the activity-based ones to a minimum. Yeah. <clears throat> because actually um, what you're really interested in is the results. Right. Now, when you're drilling down to individual performance, then those kind of things become increasingly important. Um, but yeah, just just be careful not to focus on them. Yeah. Um, because the number, because those stats are so easy to, what's the word, fake? Actually, yeah. you know, because because you know, if you're driving people's bonuses and things based on the number of calls they make, you, but you can you know exactly what's going to happen. Yeah. So you know they're going to rec- they're going to make loads and loads of calls, but they're not f- big. They're not focusing on the outcome of those calls. Yeah. Yeah. So you know they could spend an extra couple of minutes on the phone and be more likely to get the cash in. But if they're just driven on the number of calls they make. Yeah, it's, they're not bothered about the other side then, are they? Exactly. So activity stats are great, but they have to be used in conjunction with proper KPIs and ratios. Yeah, yeah. So they're, they're a nice little add-on. Yeah, they're a good way of assessing performance. Yeah. And, you know, they are useful. Yeah. But they shouldn't be used to the exclusion of proper ratios. No, yeah. Which is, you know, again, this is all my opinion, but having seen people and you know particularly it will talk at another time we'll talk about sales ratios but 
that um, that's an interesting stat as well. This the problem is is that people always try to game the system. It doesn't matter what you put in place. Yeah. So actually, you need to balance activity versus perform. You know, actual outcomes. Yeah. And keep an yeah. eye on both of those. So. Yeah. Okay, um, and uh, promised. So this is also something that a lot of people forget is the promise ratios. Right, okay. So what I mean by promise ratios is basically analysing the amount, either the amount collected versus promised or the total debt versus promised. Right. So the promise to collection ratios are really good, particularly if you've got teams that will just say, oh yeah, so-and-so promised this. Hmm. Okay, so I never, um, so if you are going to, if you're going to reward people on promised versus total debt, right? then I would always have your promised versus collection as well. Right, again, yeah. Again, sort of like a similar thing of the other side of it, isn't it? Yeah. You know, it's, it's that great that you've, you've put that number on the whiteboard, but has it come in? You yeah. Know, it's... And, that, and that's the difference is that there can be an awful lot of focus on things that aren't actually as relevant. So it's, it's important to to keep in mind that end goal. So yeah. of the amount that you've got promised. And it's, you know what? It's a really good indicator for cash flow. I suppose actually, yeah. Because if you know, you you know, of the amount promised, you're going to get sort of 60% of that value as a collection. Then you roughly know what your cash flow is going to be. Yeah. yeah given true. on what you've promised. Yeah. So when you think about that as a whole, that's mm-hmm. quite an interesting concept. Yeah, definitely. Um, and it might give you a more accurate picture of your cash flow. Mm. Um, and obviously, so, and this is sort of the important bit. And, you know, the reason we're talking about this on the podcast is we are actually going to start relating this to 200. Um, but one of the, um, though we're not going to cover it today, there's an add-on called Credit Hound that allows you to track promised cash. Okay. okay. So um, it's really, so that, and because promised cash is actually really important because your guys might make calls this week but not get the cash till next week or the week after. And what Credit Hound actually allows you to do, and this is sort of sneaking in, this isn't part of our add-on section, by the way, we will cover it another day, is actually allow you to track not only what has been promised, but when it's due to come in. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Yeah. So for cash flow perspectives, that's really handy. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So, um, but yeah, so anyway, so let's look at, obviously we've gone through a couple of these KPIs. So yeah. at a minimum, there are, to be honest, guys, there are so many out there that people actually use to record. So, you know, this is, this is just sort of the base level of KPIs. Yeah, that, I mean, you literally do a Google search and you are going to get a, you're going to get, amount. I mean, you think about how long, um, things like economics and business analysis has been around for. There's a ratio for everything. There really, there really <laughs> there is. is. There is a ratio, There's a ratio for, everything. for everything. I think it's about picking the one that's right for your business. You know, things like the, you know, like debt ones and things like that, or like amount, re- amount received. If you're the kind of business that's receiving cash at the point of purchase, you know, at the point of sale, you're not going to be having a great deal of luck on, you know, debt, uh, credit control KPIs. Yeah. Um, but for a lot of people, for most businesses nowadays, you know, you do need those kind of KPIs. But it is about... Don't use every one of them. Don't just Google it and put all your numbers into like 100 ratios and then give it to your director and say, this is all the numbers because <laughs> it's just going to be a load of numbers on a bit of paper. See, I, I really like scorecards. So, and we'll talk about this in Power BI because Power BI is really great at producing scorecards. So scorecards, for anyone that doesn't know, are basically a visual analysis of where you are um, in terms of, you know, against, you know, what you're agreeing to do. So I always say with KPIs is... You need the ability to have like an overview, which you monitor and that's sort of your standard. And then you need the ability to drill down. 
Yeah. So my suggestion for anyone that doesn't already have KPIs, the ones I think you should have are average age of debt plus your minimum and your maximum. So the lowest debt, the lowest average age and the highest, just mm-hmm. to see how big the range is. And you could put min, max and range as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think you should have collection ratios. So monitoring as of the age debt, what percentage of it has been collected, you know, and monitoring the, the ratios, the percentage rather than the value. I also think you should keep a close eye on your dispute invoice ratio because that can be really interesting for a lot of businesses. Um, And I would also have a look at your promised collection ratios if you have the ability to measure it. Okay. Now, from an individual credit controller level, I would also have a look at things like the number of um, calls, the number of payments that have been promised and the value of that promise. Um, and the promise to total debt ratios, but I would be analysing that on a ma- on a smaller level yeah. rather than across a team. So I'd be looking at an individual's performance to see where they're lacking. Is it the volume of calls they're making, or is it the quality of those calls? Yeah. So I would use that as a way of sort of monitoring that. For all of these KPIs, the one thing that a lot of people forget is to benchmark. Yeah. So you should you should have an idea in your head of what is good for your business and what is bad. Yeah. So um on a, to be honest, I'd be asking other businesses where they sit in terms of their ratios. And normally, because it's quite interesting, is some industries are, are brilliant at credit control, others not so much. So um, it's really important to have a look at benchmarking yourself, not only against your own industry, but also others. And yeah. maybe taking away things from those different industries as to how to improve. Yeah, yeah. So it's always good to have in the back of your mind when you're monitoring any KPI is how do you compare within either your industry or within your um, you know your own internal sort yeah. of estimates of what you think is acceptable exactly exactly so for all of these you should be benchmarking yourself and this should be yeah and reviewing against those benchmarks so in terms of sales 200 so obviously we've got to get these figures out somehow and actually a lot of these are already available aren't they yeah there are quite a few uh, reports inquiries screens those kind of things that will actually pull this kind of stuff through yeah so if we want to pull the um, average age of debt there is actually a report for that, I believe. There is, there is within the um, within the sales ledger. There is a report in the. There's actually a credit control subfolder. <laughs> if anyone doesn't <laughs> know, <laughs> if you haven't found that a subfolder of reports, then you're missing out, obviously. So um, within Sage 200, there's a huge amount of these already in there. Yeah. Um, and you can see that. And again, you can get the detailed reports versus the summary as well. So if you're using Sage 200, which I hope you all are, if you listen to this <laughs> podcast. Um, you will find um, within that section, you should be able to pull out most of this already. Yeah. I think the only one you haven't got is your dispute invoice ratio. But if you do have sort of like a general idea of report designer, or if not, we do offer e-learning courses for it. Yeah, well done. Get so, that plug in there, Mark. That in there. That's a bonus point for Mark. Um, <laughs> basically, um, if you within report designer, you can add in expressions. Expressions are literally just you can create any sort of sum you know divides time any kind of ratio you want you can actually get it in there as long as the date is within sage and you can pull it through then you can do an expression to calculate this for you yeah that's all the other ones are in terms of like the total outstanding debt and those kind of things if you actually go into the report some of them are fields but some of them can just literally be expressions yeah and you can do groups and things like that. Exactly, so, yeah, exactly. Um, for your disputed invoice ratio you just pull through a list of all um 
all amounts and then you just do an expression to exactly. actually calculate the ratio. Yeah, exactly. So, and you can go really sort of deep into it and start bringing analysis codes for grouping and total upon those analysis codes for salespeople and all the rest yeah, of it. Yeah, and account, yeah, because one of the one of the guys that we're actually we work with, they, they use analysis codes to identify the credit controller that's looking after that account. Yeah. So you can put analysis code on the sort of the the top level, so yeah. on the account itself, and then yeah. pull, and then they pull off age debt by credit controller. Yeah, yeah. So it's um, yeah, it's really, really, so really easy to do. And then if you were to, you know, if you did use a couple of expressions, which are really simple to set up, you could technically have just like a, a KPI report that pulls through for each individual credit controller. Yeah, how different things. Doing? How how each person again similar to like you know you were saying before, like a scorecard in a sense with I, individual. Yeah. I think you'd struggle to get it out of report designer. You'd probably have to pull off a couple of different reports to get the KPIs out for each yeah. credit controller. Yeah. I think you, um, but then again, that's where stuff like, like we're talking about, you know, and that's what we're going to come on to now in our, so this is officially our add on section now. See how I, I transitioned, you yeah, say? Well I, transitioned. I, I, I like that, Mark. I knew you'd say it was difficult to get out of report designer. <laughs> and then I knew you'd say, but we've got Power BI. Yeah. No, so for those of you that don't know, so Power BI is a Microsoft product. And for what it is, it's incredibly good value. Like licenses start from £10 per user per month. Um, and in fact, if you've got 365, you can actually get free licenses as well. So it's well worth it. It's well worth it. Um, so the whole concept of Power BI is it's not specific to say 200. Okay. It's a BI product that Microsoft has built to connect into loads of different products, including Google Analytics, MailChimp. There's already Salesforce, a huge amount of pre-built connectors. Now, from a Sage 200 perspective, because it connects into SQL databases with, with the enterprise license, mm -hmm. we can use it to pull together um, all sorts of fun reports. So we're going to talk about sort of um, the Power BI product and how, you know, and what it can do from a credit control perspective. And in fact, I've just, I said to Mark just prior to this podcast, actually, that we, sh I should put together a, a credit control example. Yeah. And I might actually go, but I might go and uh, do that just to show you how, you know, how it is, how possible it is. Yeah. Now, from a, um, the great thing about using Power BI is like, so rather than having to, like we say, pull off the different reports, you could technically get a real time view yeah, yeah. of how your team is doing it. And you can actually put it on a dashboard. Yeah. So you can, um, you can actually put it up for dashboard and it will constantly refresh mm -hmm. depending on um, how your team are doing. So it's great for um, reporting on, you know, team performance. Yeah. And we all know the value of having a dashboard on the screen. It yeah, it, it, it just sort of boosts people, doesn't it, really? When, because it's quite easy sometimes to forget how well you're doing or how... Oh, uh, how badly you're bad, doing. How badly you're doing. So having just that little reminder, I think a lot of times it sort of motivates people as well because if they keep seeing their name day after day as like the lowest number in terms of, you know, collection ratios and things like that, it might sort of give them a little bit of a kick to say you need to, instead of the manager having to come in and take you into an office and say, I've run through the numbers, this is happening. It just kind of gives them a reminder as well on the screen. So it's really handy to have. And if you can get all that through Power BI and it's real time data, there's no reason not to. Well, it's, it's, it's that competition element. Yeah. So um, having met a few credit controllers that, you know, they're like a good competition. It's a bit like um, telesales people. Mm. You know, you've got to have that sort of um, that constant view of how well you're doing because yeah. uh, you're constantly pounding the phone. So it can get yeah. really, um, what's the word, you know, almost depressing if you, you know, you're not enjoying it. So, yeah. So the, the great thing about Power BI is, of course, that 
obviously once you've got the data in there, like the back end views, you can then filter by whatever you want. Yeah. So like you say, if you've got analysis codes for credit controller, you can have either a, a controller specific dashboard that they, you know, or you can just filter the existing one. Yeah. So yeah. you can actually analyze that. So and do all sorts of fun pie charts and graphs and what have you. So yeah, so it's um, it's one of the tools in the toolbox that we use. Um, and it's certainly, if you haven't already got a credit control dashboard, it's well worth having a look. Yeah. Um, and I, as I said, I will do my best to put together an example on a blog. Yeah. On how we've done it before, um, and I'll put I'll take some screenshots and put it in so people can see the pretty colours. Mm-hmm. Um, incredibly important. Okay, guys. Well, that's it for this week. Um, it's been a bit of a different one in that we've uh, we've just had quite a nice chat this <laughs> yeah, morning. It's pretty much a chat, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, if you have any questions, any queries, um, or for us here at ITAS. Um, whether about credit control or anything else, then feel free to send it through um, to contact us um, at in, on Twitter at ITAS Solutions um, or email us through info at itas.org.uk. We'd love to hear from you. If you've enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to subscribe. Um, click on the lovely subscribe button, depending on whether you're using Android or or iTunes um, and leave us a review. Tell us what we're doing well. Tell us how we can prove. We'd love to hear from you. So that's it from us this week. Enjoy your week, guys. And thank you for listening to the Sage 200 Buzz podcast. You have been listening to Sage 200 Buzz. To get in touch, visit idasolutions.co.uk or leave an email or a message using info at idas.org.uk. Also, you can find us on Twitter at idasolutions. Please leave feedback. Having difficulties with Sage 200? For friendly expert support, contact the Sage 200 specialists on 0845-139-1300.